Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip the Block, and I'm your host. And we're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Uh, let me introduce the crew. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. Uh, yes, we've got Sergeant Jamie Borden, criticalincidentreview.com. Thanks for being on the show. Sarge, appreciate it. Yeah, he's got a great graphic background for our audio listeners. I'm trying to describe that in detail for you guys. Also, Sergeant Joe Rollerson from the Florida area. Jamie's in uh, Las Vegas area. Uh, uh, Officer Danny King with uh, American Patrolman. I, I'm not even sure where he's at. I think he's in a safe house somewhere. We'll, we'll probably get more information about that shortly. But uh, thanks, guys, for being on the show. Uh, appreciate it. Hey, also a shout-out to our sponsors. Hey, guys, you know, our sponsors bring this content to you, and uh, they are pro-law enforcement, so please support our sponsors. We have Gauls, AFire.com, Gunler.com, BlueTheGold.com, and MyMedicare.live. And also a shout-out to Brian Burns for the free press at TampaFP.com for carrying our content. And Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media, we're streaming the eight locations right now. Three of those belong to Red Voice Media, and those three Facebook pages alone are bringing in about a million followers. So thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Uh, guys, we've got a, a great lineup for you guys. In fact, hey, you know what? Let, that's something I wanted to start doing this uh, new year. So let's go over the topics. You know, we've got federal judges have sentenced January 6 defendants to a combined Total of 847 years in prison. Wow. That's going to be our first topic. We're also talking about a California PD that releases a documentary on the impact of drug laws on the homeless community. And then uh, we've got body cam footage. It's uh, involving a shooting of a state trooper in Killingly. We've also got an armed suspect in a stolen vehicle forces the Las Vegas Police Department to chase and fatally shoot him. 23-year-old armed robbery suspect who leads police on a foot chase before being shot in the arm. Someone's a bad shot there. Hey, uh, NYPD officers fatally shoot a double homicide suspect who charged at officers with a knife. And then lastly, if we have time to get to it, NYPD uh, body cam shows a knife-wielding man lunging at officers who fatally shoot him inside of a 7-Eleven. So, hey, at least at least you're at a 7-Eleven. You know, there could be worse places to die, right? So, uh, hey, we've got uh, – see, Joe knows what I'm talking about. See, Joe, Joe, we're like this. Yeah, we're minds, man. We're doing that mind melt thing. So, look, let's go ahead and get started on the first one. Uh, so, and hey, you know, before I forget, I, I do want to give away a, a Gulls gift card, a $50 Gulls gift card. Jimmy, producer Jimmy, are you okay with that? Bottom yep, of the, bottom of the hour. Okay. So whether you're listening to our show audibly or whether you're watching the stream, you know, we're going to do that at the bottom of the hour. So look, what that means is this show is live 12 to 1 o'clock Eastern time. It's so a bottom of the hour meets us at 1230. So that's when we take our second commercial break. And so, uh, you know, that's coming up, you know, roughly in about, uh, what do we got? Maybe uh uh, 20, uh, 20, 20 minutes, I think, before we take our that break. So we will let you know. But look, that phone number, in case you guys want to uh, write it down, because even if you're watching the stream, the only way that you're going to have a chance to be able to get this $50 Gulls gift card is if you call the number. So even if you're getting the stream, pick up the phone, call this number. The contest hotline, producer Jimmy will answer. It's area code 863-225-2000. Again, 863-225-2000. We'll have that appear later on as well, but that's the number you're going to need to dial in about 20 minutes in order to get that gift card. That's the only way to win today, whether you're watching the stream or listening to us on the radio. So look, that said, let's uh, let's talk about this first topic. So yeah, the federal judges have sentenced January 6th defendants to a combined 847 years in prison. So this article at lawofficer.com, if you thought the U.S. Department of Justice has been extremely busy investigating and prosecuting people 
in the nearly three years since the events of January 6th happened uh, at the Capitol building, you are spot on. More than 1,200 people uh, primarily angered following the methods employed during the 2020 election. They have been identified and arrested according to the post-millennial. Now, these people include off-duty officers, retired police officers, firefighters, former military. Uh, most of them were not your typical criminal defendants, which has caused many on the political right to cast aspirations regarding the ongoing weaponization of President Joe Biden's DOJ. So the DOJ data shows that by the end of 2023, about 450 defendants received 847 years of prison time, according to the Washington Examiner. Wow. So that's about 450 defendants got close to 1,000 years in prison time. The majority of those who have been arrested were subsequently charged with entering or remaining in a restricted federal building or grounds, obstructing an official proceeding, assaulting or impeding police officers, and destruction or theft of government property. So many of the sentences were actually only a few days of confinement, but they were sentenced. However, several others faced years and sometimes decades in federal custody. One guy who was not even present during the riot received more than two decades in prison. So it gives some stories, some names of people and co-defendants and Proud Boy members that were um, involved in this stuff. It also talks about a deputy, Colton uh, McAbee, who got caught up in this thing from Tennessee. Um, I'm just kind of curious what our panelists think about this. Uh, I was supposed to go to this January 6th thing with a neighbor of mine. Thank God I didn't go because I would have taken my cell phone. They would have done geo-tracking on my butt and figured out that I was there, and then the FBI would have been paying me a personal. Uh, see, I see Danny shaking his head. Danny probably would have been hired by the FBI. They come and pay me a personal visit at my house, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's just kind of scary. What do you guys think about this? Almost 1,000 years for all these defendants, about 450 guys. Wow. Any commentary? Danny, why don't you hit it well, first? American patrolman, buddy. So D.C. is a federal district, meaning the city, the property, everything there is federal. So their cops aren't like municipal cops. They're, they're essentially federal cops. So the difference that you see in most jurisdictions, so when Dallas is burning, Los Angeles is burning, all those other things, it's the D.A. that's deciding not to do it. Right. It's the D.A. that's deciding that they're not going to charge people, whereas the federal government uh, we see is completely different. Now, all our politicians are saying, oh, you know, people have a right to be upset, except when it's the Capitol. Now, it broke my heart to look at it, you know, to, to see guys uh, storming the Capitol like that. But, um, yeah, the feds don't play around when it comes to uh, locking people up and, and committing them. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Jamie, I, 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 you know, we've done stories on guys. uh being put on the porch of their agency, waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen with the charges and stuff. Um, some guys just being there. Um, some guys being there trying to help out the cops, the Capitol Police that were um, in, in a world of hurt, too. One of the things that <clears throat> comes to me most prominently in this is that I've got a lot of work. With Jamie, I'm, I'm having a really hard time. Your volume has dropped down quite a bit. So let me can... uh, let me jump up on that mic. Is that better? Uh, it's a I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. Good. Yeah. All right. Okay, if Jimmy and if Jimmy can hear me, Chip, just watch my lips move. <clears throat> um, you're, you're weak, but uh, but do what you can do. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, it, it's so I have a lot of work as an expert with uh, the federal government, with the DOJ, and what what stands out to me is it, a it's a crime. I mean, what what ha what was happening there was criminal activity, no matter how you slice it, whether you agreed or disagreed with what happened in the election. Um, I would never endeavor to raid our capital, right? It's just not, it's just not reasonable behavior 
protesting is one thing that was a different thing um but what is what stands out to me is that we have multiple other riotous situations let's take portland for instance where citizens were storming federal courthouses and and creating damage and injuring officers and injuring other people and they're not getting charged in fact for the most part they are disallowed to make an arrest they're disallowed to to pursue these individuals and when the individuals are proprietors of violence and the officers respond with that and they have what's deemed an undesirable outcome in those events then the officers are in fact being charged and and that's an unbalanced view in my opinion it's a crime it was a crime what happened at the Capitol building. It's a crime what happens at our courthouses around the country when people are upset with the government. And those crimes are not being handled in a balanced fashion from my perspective. And I am the cop out there that's trying to protect our uh, our government, our trying to protect our citizens, trying to protect our society. And when the balancing line is blurred that way, it doesn't send the right message to our people. And it's not fair. All right. Well, anybody, well, any, uh, any reaction to the sentencing um, as far as the sheer number of years that people are being sentenced to or, or not? Maybe you guys think it's fair. I don't know. I, I don't think it's, well, listen, it is what it is at this point. And I'll tell you, it's incredibly intimidating for the federal government to come after you. Um, and so 847 years, uh, it seems like a lot and it is a lot. Uh, especially for people who, you know, it, first off, here's the crazy thing, Chip. I think we can all agree that the government will lie to you at the the drop of a dime these days. Um, and so who knows what's really true? Did they open the doors and it's just like, hey, Chip, let's go inside, check out the Capitol. They just opened it up. And next thing you know, you're caught up. But, you know, who knows? There's so much controversy in the United States with the government that I, I have uh, a hard time keeping track. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Guys, if, uh, if, we've, if we've exhausted that topic, then let's move on to the next one then. Uh, and let's see, we've got uh, on, uh, well, we got an update article here on Police One California PD releases the documentary on the impact of drug laws on homeless community. So an interesting documentary. I had to really kind of hunt for the title of it. It's called The uh, Front Lines of Homelessness and Enforcement. So the El Cajon Police Department, uh, they they created this it's a short film documentary and explores the lives of the city homeless population according to fox 5 they covered this so the film uh documented the issues that arise when police are tasked with dealing with homelessness and why they cannot do more to solve the root issues apparently and the article identifies it there's some um there's a debate going on about the issues about the homeless situation okay so the documentary shows the struggles of drug sales and addiction that is going on among the homeless community. It shows the department rehabilitation resources, and when offered, uh, they're often not accepted uh, by the homeless community. Shelter beds are often not even used, according to the report. Additionally, officers are un unable to arrest people for many drug-related offenses. Now, there's a reason for that, and it involves Proposition 47 that was passed in 2014, which we'll get to you know, in a couple minutes. So. Uh, have an open mind when you hear this. You'll get some uh, some interesting information from a law enforcement perspective on this. But, hey, it's time for our first commercial break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right. If you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you're certainly by now aware of the new Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform, clothing, equipment, and gear provider 
for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett, always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't been to the new Gauls lately, please check them out at Gauls.com slash Leo. Now, look, the holidays have just passed, right? But they still have Gauls gift cards. We're getting ready to give one away, um, actually, at, at the next commercial break. And if you have a family friend or loved one that's a firefighter, military, law enforcement, hook them up with a Gauls gift card. They'll be your new best friend. And notice that I said uh, they're in the clothing and uniforms. You know, their uniform program is second to none. Even my former agency, the Tampa Police Department, has a, a Gauls office, a uniform office on the second floor lobby of the police department. They got rid of their other two companies, and they're killing it. Gauls.com slash Leo. Check it out. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we are still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So, look, I left off talking about Proposition 14. And, uh, you know, we've got a law enforcement agency that's talking about, you know, how well it works. And, of course, we're in uh, in California. So uh, they go on to say that um, Proposition 47, it passed in 2014, and it reduced many of the felony crimes involving theft and drug use and drug possession. And... So it reduced these things to misdemeanors. And so now they're non-bookable offenses uh, for the county of San Diego and California. So that's what the problem is, according to Fox 5. So if somebody's using methamphetamine that's right behind you and it's happening right now, uh, they cannot take that person to jail. They have to write them a ticket and then they have to hope that they appear in court, which is, of course, sorry, guys, about the music there. But then they have to hope that they actually appear in court. So well, the guy that's talking to Fox 5 about this, said that he disagrees with the widely accepted public opinion that the housing crisis is the root cause of homelessness. And he asserts that drugs and the legal tolerance of drugs is at the heart of this homelessness issue. And so that's the debate that I'm talking about. So here's a quote saying that uh, that Chief Moulton um, from the El Cajon Police Department says, yes, what I want people to know is that what impact in the community these laws are having, and in his professional opinion, in his 29 years of law enforcement, uh, it's having a negative impact on the public safety and that message he wants to get out there. And that's what he's trying to do. So I don't know if your feelings coincide with what the chief's feelings are, guys, but uh, it's kind of nice to have law enforcement bucking the system, especially in California. This guy's going on on a huge limb, you know, saying these things. So what do you think? Joe, if you've, if you've worked for, uh, with homeless people for any amount of time, um, this is exactly what we see on a daily basis. Uh, law enforcement deals with homeless individuals. Very rarely are they mentally ill. Uh, oftentimes they live by their own rules. Um, and oftentimes they're they're suffering the consequences of decisions that they've made quite a while ago. And they don't want help. Right. Um, it, by the way, just because someone's living uh, on the streets doesn't mean that they're some type of indigent person. Um, a lot of these guys, just like you saw in the video, they have their homes set up downstairs or down in the, the drainage ditches. They have these encampments. Um, and it is insane the way these guys live. And uh, that's just it's a lifestyle that they quite honestly choose. All right. Well, 
Word, good words from Danny Keene with American Patron, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, anybody else, guys, that wants to talk about? I, um, you know, I watched this video and uh, the proposition. It's Proposition Forty Seven there in California, and um, of course they're they're radicals anyway. How they um, handle their crime, and that's why they have the issues that they have there. Uh, but I'm kind of an expert in this, like any police officer that's been on the street for any length of time, but. I ran a narcotic squad for quite a while. And Chip, you were on the squad with me. And um, like, um, like well, you, Danny you were, said. You were on the squad with me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Chip. So, uh, but, but like, uh, like Danny said, these people, uh, I, I, they're out there and they're creating their own situation. They're happy to live the way they do because they don't pay taxes. They don't pay uh, for electricity, they get their food. Most of them, people are coming in, giving them food, and they're wallowing in their own misery there with drugs. And they love this. Um, no matter how much you reach out to try to help them, it seems like it never, ever helps. Uh, if you do get them off the street for any length of time, they're right back where they started. How many times did we run into the same people over and over and over again? And uh, Homelessness by not having a home, that doesn't mean it leads to drug abuse. Usually the drug abuse means you can't afford a house because you're spending all your money and efforts on acquiring the illegal narcotics. Thanks, and, Joe. All right, Jamie, bring it home, Jamie. Yeah, so in in much like you and most of us have spent time on some sort of narcotics team. I was on our, our narcotics team for some time. And, and there's two edges to this whole thing. There's, there's uh, law enforcement trying to stop the sale of these drugs that are being purchased by people who will go to great lengths to buy the drugs, which is where the safety issues come from. And the choice is the choice. Uh, making the drugs unavailable to these folks is not going to all of a sudden make them want to go out and buy a home and contribute to society. These people have made their choice. They don't want help. And, and you know, my help on the street uh, turned into supplying water where I could and when I could in 118 degree weather. I can't make these people see the what I want for them in terms of safety and health. We can't make those determinations. These people have made their choices. They're going to get the drugs one way or the other. I would multiple times make arrests for meth and heroin. You know, my, my main fight was against black and white and, and the methamphetamine, heroin and, and cocaine and meth. And without fail, within 24 hours, that person that we spent weeks putting together a buy on, within 24 hours, they've been released from jail and they're back in a culvert and they're going back to the same drug houses where we made the bust. It, it, it was it, it, almost ridiculous and comedic how ineffective it was. And, and it, again, it's a choice. Yeah. You know, it, it's help me help you. But, uh, uh, anyhow, any fallout for this, uh, you know, for this law enforcement uh, police chief that's uh, that's going public with us? You think, and with the, for this docu series, this documentary they made? Actually, I, I was watching some of the video. It's about what almost an hour long, and for once, I think somebody has made a video that if it could be released to the general public, like on national TV, people would be shocked to see exactly what really goes on because most people have the the uh, concept that. Oh, we can give them money. We can bring come down here, give them anything, and they're they're going to get out of their situation. But like Jamie said, it doesn't matter. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I and these these people have no 
no efforts on their part. They have no effort on their part to get out of their situation. All right, but this chief so. is really yeah. good that he's doing it. Type in here, so. I, okay, that's not the case with every homeless person by any stretch of the imagination. I have known people very, very personally, if you can read between the lines right now. All right, guys, hey. It's time to talk about one of our sponsors. Please support our sponsors. And this one is Blue the Gold at bluethegold.com. If you're struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures or the liability of getting it wrong, say hello to bluethegold.com. They translate search and seizure doctrines into clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give the training for free thanks to bluethegold.com's free weekly webinar. So they're getting ready to talk about CIs and search warrants. So sign up at bluethegold.com today. Join thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. So, hey, next is talk about AUFIRE at AUFIRE.com. And, you know, it stands for Accuracy Under Fire, and it's the gold standard of tactical simulation. For the first time ever, agencies and LEOs can safely simulate being hit by gunfire, knives, and other objects, hey, and their, you know, in their dynamic force-on-force scenarios. So if you ever wonder how your officers would react or wish you could train them in these types of situations, now you can while improving their decision-making, return fire accuracy, and life preservation skills thanks to aufire.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So, man, I tell you, our phone lines got a workout. They almost shut the system down, Jimmy. Uh, but, you know, we left off talking about homelessness. Jimmy was in the middle of talking about this. I, uh, I know that uh, we've got some guys on hold on the phone call that we're going to get to in a second. But, Jimmy, um, I, I hated to cut you off. We had, that, we had to get that number out there. But go ahead and, uh, and finish what you, were, what you wanted to say about the homelessness issue and the drug connection and all that oh yeah a lot of the homeless situation is i mean i'm not saying it's a majority or anything else but there are a lot of homeless people out there are that are out there for either medical issues or simply cannot afford housing even though they are working i like i said i know people personally who are working full time and could not afford apartment and electricity and all that other kind of good stuff so they wound up outside and working while they're out there yeah. And of course, our well, chief weighed in that we were quoting. Well, Joe, you know where I'm going. The chief. Well, what, what I'm, what I agree with Jimmy 100. percent But what we're basically talking here about is people that are doing narcotics. Right. And and there are many people out there that because of their situation, they like you said, Jimmy, can't afford anything. But this Proposition 47, I think, is more geared towards the the guys that are out there that are doing narcotics. And the the film shows. I think the average person, what law enforcement deals with every, every day, the revolving door, oh, sure. trying to take them off the street, trying to offer them help, but they're right back where, where they started. And it's just, I was not trying to dispute that. I no, just no, wanted no, no. to get that out there in case anybody right. out there gets the wrong idea. Sometimes, right. you know, hey, this person needs help or whatever, this person needs correct. help. Sometimes that does go towards food. And I'm glad you brought that up. You're, you're absolutely correct. correct. It's important. Yeah. That's all. Sorry hey, to, sorry to Jimmy, you you are right, um, but they are the rarity, and you know when you're dealing with those individuals, sure. uh, they'll be completely honest with you. And that's what I meant when I said that that just because they're homeless doesn't mean that they're they're indigent individuals. That that yeah. um, you know you have people out there that law enforcement will bend over backwards for those ones that are in that tough spot. Right? Oftentimes, yeah. the county, veteran services, things like that. Are out there for you when they say listen man i just couldn't afford this or this is the case uh you know I, i've spent hundreds of my own dollars filling up gas tanks and making calls for people like that uh and it's refreshing to deal with those individuals because they are the rarity they're not yep. the individuals that are breaking into cars 
things like no, that I, in the I, bank to support themselves. So, no, you're absolutely right. I've seen cops bring people food and socks and things. Uh, matter of fact, there were a few of them that I were aware of that would keep these uh, care packages in their vehicles with uh, things like you know Febreze and soap and deodorant and socks. And <laughs> socks yep. always seem to be a really big thing. So, yeah, they are uh, out there to help, and that, that does go very much appreciated. All right. Well, actually, I'll let Jimmy take care of the ringing phones then. And uh, Jamie, did you want to add something on that as well? No, I just the one thing that that caps this off is that those individuals that are homeless because they've it's not their choice and they're they're dealing with it are not normally with the populace of the narcotics users. They distance themselves from those types of, of indigent people, homeless people that choose to be that way. And Absolutely. and it was easy for us to locate them. And like Danny, and like all of you, nobody here hasn't spent hundreds of dollars buying bus tickets, filling gas tanks, per water, food, Christmas gifts, whatever it might be to make those lives just a little bit better that day. So you're right, Jimmy, um, very, very deep separation between the two. All right. Well, look, guys, excellent content. I'm glad, uh, you know, I'm glad we're covering this stuff. We got the right panel for this stuff today. Uh, let's go to our next one then. And, and look, guys, uh, for stories that have a video component, which is what we're getting ready to cover right now, if you're listening to us audibly on radio or podcast, you know, we're describing great detail what's going on so you guys don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Please stay loyal to your podcast or your radio station that's bringing you this quality content. And if you absolutely have to watch a video, uh, the very next day we take this live broadcast and we embed all the videos we talk about. We put pictures of the good guys and the bad guys. And we put that special segment up at 9 o'clock the next morning on our Rumble channel. So that's always an option for you. And, of course, our live shows Monday through Friday. But these special segments appear Tuesday through Saturday at 9 in the morning Eastern time on Rumble. So at Rumble.com and our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter, we have body cam footage. And it details the released shooting involving a state trooper in Killingly. Do you got your license on your butt? No. All right. Go ahead. Put your hands behind your back. You're going to be detained. Hold on! Aye, aye. Taser, taser, taser. Stop! Stop! Trooper running. On the ground, dude! Get on the ground! Shots fired. Troop shots fired. Shots fired. So we're in Rhode Island all of a sudden, okay? So Rhode Island authorities, they put out a broadcast around 1.20 p.m. on December the 30th, and it says that a suspect was wanted in connection with a robbery. So the car that he's driving, it's a Mercury Marquis with Connecticut plates. Those are, those are sweet cars, by the way. They don't make them like they used to. So Rhode Island State Police Trooper Joseph Godbout, he reportedly saw the Mercury at a mobile gas station. And it's in the uh, Dayville section of Killingly. So the driver, who's later identified as Reuben Muller, he's outside the car when the trooper sees him. So Trooper Godbout, he asked for the driver's license, and our bad guy, Muller, said he did not have it. And then he, of course, takes off running through the parking lot, right? Uh, but he's not just running. At least he's got good taste because he's running towards the Taco Bell, right? So he's, he's headed towards the Taco Bell restaurant. So the trooper chases him, and then he discharge, ends up discharges his, uh, his taser, and it caused our bad guy to fall down, but then he gets back up and he continues to run. Um, so when the bad guy fell down, um, he ended up, you can see him taking out at least one taser probe, and 
it, it didn't appear that the taser was still cycling. Normally, when you when you hit the trigger on the taser, it's going to do it's going to take you for a a five second ride, but you can deactivate it. Uh, but anyhow, the bad guy gets up again. So now the um, trooper uh, manages um, to well, the guy turns a curb. He ends up falling down again, and now you can see him reaching down for his ankle. And I'm automatically thinking, dude, what are you trying to get off your ankle, right? Because he the time he fell down before, he was trying to do that stuff too. So the trooper has 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 still got the taser in his hand, and the bad guy's pulling out a revolver from I'm assuming an ankle holster, right? Because he was able to run without the gun falling out. So he's got to have some device to hold that that revolver in there. So at that point, trooper finally uh, goes for his gun and he fires one shot and strikes Mueller, a bad guy, in the chest. And Mueller last count was in critical condition at a medical center um getting treatment so he he survived last last they said so um guys commentary on this it's a uh man what what a what a wild story i um i watched the video chip and uh i just like to you know just let people be aware of how fast things can go south um police officers have to have such expert training in order to be able to handle these situations. And this trooper was chasing this guy. And the only thing that I saw that I would have probably done is when I went around that corner, I would have probably slowed down because I think he was trying to get his gun actually when he was on the ground too. I think he was pulling the taser and he was reaching for his weapon and he was really lucky that he didn't get shot when he come around that corner. But man, I'm telling you, these things happen so quick and you have to have such expert training and you have to be focused on what you're doing especially when the guy was pulling that gun out of his, his uh, pants leg, the, the trooper still had his taser and he was able to drop the taser, pull his weapon and still shoot the guy before he got, got on him with his weapon. What, what a, what, what a great job he did. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, <clears throat> breaking that down, ironically, I've got a case where the subject goes to the ground after being tased and is reaching down for his ankle and the officer tases him again. The officer was sued for tasing this individual uh, more than three times excessive <laughs> use of force because he believed the subject was going for a weapon held in the, in the ankle. And they said that's that people don't do that. That doesn't happen anymore. Outcome hindsight bias says that that's more probably than not, not a weapon. He's just pulling his socks up. Are you kidding me? With that, and then we see a video where this guy leans down and is deliberately unholstering what appears to be a very large caliber short short barreled revolver that would have absolutely done damage. No, and any weapon will a twenty two hell a, a a pellet gun will do damage. This guy reaches down, grabs the weapon, has it in his hand before the officer gets that shot off. The officer did an outstanding job, especially under the scrutiny that we are under day to day in this job, where there's nothing in the subject's hands. He's been tased. He's only trying to get away. All of these things come up in in the judgment of this officer's actions it's it's incumbent on the officer to respond and 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 be uh, attentive to what's occurring with that suspect and this officer absolutely was and did the right thing and and i, I gotta put i tell you my hat's off to him um again we don't know what we would do in those scenarios until we're in them and this officer did a great job excellent well i was in the exact situation that this officer's been in, chasing a guy, nothing in his hand, get getting a fight with him, and the next thing I know, he's going to his pants leg, and all of a sudden a gun appears in my face. So, 
you've got to be aware. And like you said, Jamie, these guys hide guns everywhere on them. And he's going to his pants leg for some reason. It isn't that he's, uh, you know, trying to, you know, tie his shoes because he, he you know, they came untied. Well, he's not right. reaching for a business yeah. card, brother. That's, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you right now. And this is probability versus possibility. This guy's running right. from the cops. He's got tattoos from his ankles all the way to his earlobes. And, and, and not to say that tattoos are a judgment. Most our lieutenants have the same side, type of tap, tattoos. <laughs> You're being judgmental. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. being judgmental. You're being judgmental. Anyways, yeah, yeah, I get, I get fired up over that stuff. <laughs> all right. All good, guys. Hey, when we come back, we're going to um, talk briefly about Critical Incident Review and American Patrolman. But, hey, we're on our last commercial break now. Congratulations to MBS, Michael, for uh, winning that from Colorado. So uh, we'll be right back, guys. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they've actually made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and is the only company to offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major physical organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all factions of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So if, we've, uh, if we're done with that topic, I've got another one with a video component. So same thing. We'll describe in great detail what's going on. So back at This Is Butter. That's our favorite law enforcement channel that's at rumble.com. We have an armed suspect in a stolen vehicle who forces Las Vegas Metro police to chase him and fatally shoot him. So, yeah, so Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, same agency that Lieutenant Randy Sutton retired from. Uh, they say that a 33-year-old man led police on about a minute-long chase before producing a firearm, which forced the officers to discharge their weapons. So police responded around 9.27 p.m. after they get a radio transmission of a stolen van. So the van was reported stolen on Christmas Day. Officer Joseph Bringhurst, he's 33 years old, and an officer Richard Rivera, 28 years old, they respond, they find the van in a drive-thru of a business, all right? So this is how it starts off. The van is blocked in by marked patrol cars, so no doubt that this dude knows that they're police officers because we're talking about marked units, and it's a high-risk stop, though. So the armed suspect identified as, uh, as uh, LaSalle Torres Santiago he decides to flee from the front passenger door and he travels on foot eastbound. So it's not a vehicle chase anymore. He bails out of the car and he says it's a foot chase. So both the officers are chasing the, the, the bad guy and they chase him for about 300 yards. So that's a little bit of a distance. Uh, the chase lasts for about a minute. And finally, the suspect, um, they find him on the ground, but this time he's armed with a handgun. So Torres Santiago's firearm had one round in the chamber, three rounds in the magazine, and he was not complying with officer's commands. 
while he's holding the gun. I would think not if he's holding the gun. So police end up shooting the bad guy. Uh, I think there's a beautiful um, a freeze frame still of this thing. Officer uh, Bringhurst fires uh, 11 rounds, and Officer Rivera fires four rounds. So, uh, and the suspect did not survive his injury. So it's a short video. It's only like, a, I think, a little over a minute long. And uh, the freeze frame is at 105 in the video, in case you guys are checking that out. But interesting video. Another example on how quickly the stuff can go down. And this happened, guys, it was not, there was, it wasn't bright outside. It was dimly lit. It's nighttime. And, uh, you know, the cop at least was able, thank God, to see the gun and they take lethal action. Because if he would not have, or if like the other guy, if he was still had the taser in his hand, it would have had a totally different ending altogether. Commentary of this gentleman. Curious what, what you guys think, or we can move on to the next one. No, this is, um, <clears throat> of course, this is, and I'm in Las Vegas. Danny King is our neighbor. We're, you know, feet away. There's, there's shootings happening out here constantly. One of the, one of the controversies or one of the things that's going to come up in this case, undoubtedly, is the fact that it's only a 22 caliber. And, and, you know, the way that weapon is viewed by the public, it's, you know, it's a plinker, it's this, more people die every year from a 22 round than any other round uh, produced. They're a dangerous weapon and, and it's hindsight. It doesn't matter. It's a firearm. And this guy had ill intentions. It was obvious that he had ill intentions at this point. And you make a good point about the video, Chip. If you watch that pursuit and, and you're looking at the video, you can see nothing in the video. You're not seeing anything that the officer is perceiving at the moment. The only moment is that one frozen frame that's the equivalent of literally 0 0.0307 seconds. That's th that's 30 milliseconds. It takes us three tenths of a second to blink our eye. That's what we see as evidence in that case. The video does not produce what the human being is attending to in those moments. And, and that's a global that's a global view of that video, and that's going to be the primary evidence used in these cases whereby the officer might be sued. These officers did a, an outstanding job. Remember, we see in 560 megapixels. Those cameras are collecting data at a very limited 1 to 2 megapixels, and it has distortions technically uh, that align with that. Be very careful watching these videos and making judgment. Yeah, you know, Sergeant Jamie, if, if I if they would not have done that freeze frame, I never would have seen the gun. And so uh, it's amazing the technology. Now I'll be honest with you: if I'm sitting on a jury and I got Danny King as the officer involved in the shooting, I'm gonna look at Danny and say, you know, he could probably handle a, a few 22 caliber rounds, you know. But if the dude's shooting him with a 44 caliber or 357, I might cut Danny some slack and justify a deadly use of force. But uh, I remember. Danny's keeping a straight face while I'm trash and talking him like that, <laughs> which I'm impressed with Danny. But I, I remember watching a movie. I think it was a mafia movie and the bad guy, you know, he gets some female comes into the room and this guy's a, like a hit guy. And, uh, and the female shoots him with a 22 once or twice and he blows her away. And his boss is all over his case. He do. She had a 22. Why are you killing her? What'd you do that for? You know? So it's kind of, I'm having flashbacks of that while you're kind of describing about people, you know, I mean, look, a cop is justified. If the guy's got a pellet gun, which can cause serious bodily injury, because you do not have to be in fear of death, only serious bodily injury or harm, uh, you're completely justified in, in using lethal force. But we have, we are so desensitized to that from TV drama, the news and stuff, that now people are thinking 22s, you know, that, that that's, that's a, you give a guy a pass using a 22 and a cop that maybe doesn't have the right to use lethal force against him. It's crazy.
Yeah. And remember, Chip, this officer would have been justified if it was a plastic squirt gun. Thank it you. isn't what it is. That's hindsight bias. That's hindsight. Uh, the, the What contributes to the judgment is what we know in hindsight. The officer at that moment sees a gun. It doesn't matter if it's made out of clay, out of glass, whether it's a, a lighter, a squirt gun. It's a gun based on all of the context of that incident. So that's something to keep in mind. Officers are making split second decisions based on the probability of substantial bodily harm or death. And at that moment, they're getting to work and they're making reasonable decisions based on what they believe to be happening in the moment. All right. Joe Rollerson. Well, like Jamie said, uh, and I was going to bring that up, too, that more people are shot and killed with a 22 caliber than any other weapon. And and I had a situation and I think this is the reason uh, I had a, a, a drug dealer who got shot in the arm, in the arm with a 22 caliber and he ended up dying. And I, I you know was asking the doctor, how the heck did this happen? And what happens, the bullet is with these larger caliber, they go straight through the body, where the 22, it'll hit a bone and ricochet, and it just bounces all over the body, and it takes out organs and the heart and the lung. And uh, that's the problem with these small caliber weapons. They, they don't they only have like 50 grains of, uh, of uh, powder in them, where a 357 has 158. And if you get shot in the arm, it goes right through or your side where the 22 ricochets in the body. 22 yeah. turns the body into a pinball machine. Correct. And, and Correct. nobody wins, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tilt. so Jamie, real quick, tell us um, uh, how they can get more information about you at Critical Incident Review, and then I want Danny to talk real quickly about American Patrolman. We've only got two minutes left before uh, before the end of the show, so go ahead. Yeah, CriticalIncidentReview.com. Uh, everything you need to know about our company is right there. Myself and Danny work together in this company. Danny's also got American Patrolman. We literally teach cops how uh, investigators, we teach the public, we teach anybody who is willing to listen about the application of scientific principles regarding human actions, police performance, decision-making in a critical use of force where decisions are being made under the constraints of time. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Jamie. Uh, sorry, uh, Dan sorry, Danny. Uh, Jamie took up all your time, but no, I'm kidding. We got, you got a minute, you got a minute left, so go, go ahead. <laughs> hey, just like you talked about, I, I uh, teach cops about the uh, use of force and excessive force and things like that. But I will add on that last video um, that I've been to that Del Taco uh, you make pretty decent burritos there. That's right there on uh, Shadow Lane, which coincidentally are you being is about or you thirty seconds. Yeah, no, oh no, serious. I know where that is. That's okay. uh, I'm a Vegas kid, born and raised here, um, and that's at the intersection of Charleston and Shadow Lane. Uh, which, by the way, I'll end with this: the the uh, morgue or the coroner's office is about thirty seconds from from where that man died. <laughs> yeah, short call out. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. So AmericanPatrolman.com. Is that where they can go to get more information about you, Danny? AmericanPatrolman.com. That's it. All right. You gotta love it. So uh so so Joe, if if, if there's if there's a woman a young lady watching this show and she wants to find out more information about Hollywood Joe, what what do we or maybe maybe a, a young dude, you know, what do we what do we where do they go? They go to my wife. They go to your wife. Okay. Yeah, All yeah. right. Check with my wife. Oh, uh, you guys are so professional. You she's got a twenty. She's got a twenty-two caliber as well. <laughs> oh, that's scary. All right. Hey, uh, a great show, guys. Uh, appreciate every one of you guys being here. Uh, thank you so much. You know, I got to go to the Meekum auction, so we'll have one of our best uh, previously recorded shows tomorrow, guys. So stay tuned for that. For thanks for Jamie Borden, Jane Borden, uh, Jamie Borden at Critical Incident Review. 
And uh, Danny King, Danny's laughing at me. Danny King at American Patrolman. Joe Rollerson, uh, thanks, guys. I do want to mention, uh, you know, Randy Sutton's 501c3, the Wounded Blue, the woundedblue.org. They're helping cops out in the world of hurt that are suffering from things like PTSD and other issues and maybe not necessarily getting any help from their agency um, or retirement, disabilities, and that kind of stuff. So the Wounded Blue, the woundedblue.org. Uh, also, guys, please support our sponsors at Gauls, uh, aufire.com, gunler.com, bluethegold.com, and mymedicare.live. And also the free press at TampaFP.com. Thanks to Brian Burns, Red Voice Media at RedVoiceMedia.com. Thanks to Ray Dietrich. We appreciate you guys uh, supporting our show. And again, I am um, selling the Cobra at Meekum in Kissimmee tomorrow, which is Friday. We will have one of our best pre-recorded shows going, and we'll see you back live on Monday, 12 noon Eastern time. Thanks. Thanks.